Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. Dr. Gray obtained his master's in both acupuncture and oriental medicine from the Atlantic Institute of Oriental Medicine. Dr. Gray enjoys both being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Germany and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and France. He is co-author of several books on food therapy. His office is in Jupiter, Florida, where he has practiced for over a decade and where he resides. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Getting to the point where I'm no fun anymore. I am sorry. Sometimes it hurts so badly I must cry out loud. I am lonely. I am yours. You are mine. You are what you are. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, Quality Living. Yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. Interestingly enough, if you're listening to us on radio, this is our 100th show on NPR of the Treasure Coast while being on Apple Podcasts. So I just want to preface that because, you know, at some point the show may re-air because we do that sometimes for awesome shows, which this is going to be. And um, by that time, it might be our 200th show that you're listening to. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm always so happy to have our guests that we have, whether it's on the phone or, or live in the studio. And today we have a number of guests live in the studio. And uh, the, the, what prompted me to make this our official 100th show of this particular era on Apple uh, Podcasts and all the other podcasts and, um, and, and NPR is the fact that what about the animals? You know, we've been uh, dealing a lot with uh, human concerns during the COVID-19 pandemic. And there's this whole unseen aspect that's not getting a lot of press, that's not getting a lot of, of, um, you know, attention of what what goes on with the animals during this time. Um, You know, I've, with my children, my family, we've, we've gone to Bush Wildlife Sanctuary for many years. And they are a mainstay here in Palm Beach County. They've done so much for animals and preservation and saving. I mean, I've called them for numerous occasions upon stumbling across (laughs) an animal in need uh, out of its normal habitat or usual habitat. Um, They're such a wonderful group of individuals, and I'm just so proud and happy to have them in here for our 100th show today to talk about what happens during a pandemic, what happens during lockdown, what happens during a time when no one can visit you and see your wonderful work and support you and donate and, 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 dot, dot, dot. Help us out. We have the leader of the pack, <laughs> so to speak, Miss Amy, <laughs> and we've got Miss Risa, who I know through your husband and through my artwork and through so much, and you are hands-on with the animals there as well. Yes, I'm the animal keeper. All right, so introduce <laughs> yourselves. Tell us what you do and how the it works. And we also, by the way, audience listeners, have ourselves too wonderful other guests you can see online when you hopefully you follow me on social media and all of that um so you see the wonderful pictures of noodle right noodle is the name and that's the american alligator yes sir and then we also have a barn owl yeah beho 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 what does that mean (laughs) i do not know 
<laughs> came with the name and we let it stick. All right, Miss Amy, tell us about your designation at Bush Wildlife. Sure. So I am the executive director of the Bush Wildlife Sanctuary. Uh-huh. And for those who aren't familiar, we basically have a twofold mission. Mm-hmm. We are a nonprofit organization that, number one, first and foremost, is a wildlife hospital. So we take in sick, injured, and orphaned wild animals, the gold native to Florida rehabilitate them and get them back out in the wild when they're ready to survive on their own again. Uh, Our second mission is education. And really that just came out of necessity. So many of the patients that come to us are affected by humans. Gunshot wounds, electrocutions, hit by car, attacked by pets, kept illegally as pets as Viho was. Mm -hmm. And so therefore it really became something where the medical side of it, the hospital side, was more of a Band-Aid for the situation. And the bigger problem, the bigger disease, if you will, was really humans and our interaction with these animals. Mm. So educating people about them and how to coexist and share environment, and really what's normal, what's abnormal, and talk people through it became a major part of the sanctuary just out of sheer necessity. Right. Um, now, I know for you, Ms. Risa, well, actually, I get to do the hands-on, so okay. I get to show up, and we have different sections where we get to take care of the different animals. Okay. So, like this morning, I was taking care of a lot of our education animals mm-hmm. um, and making sure that they had clean water this morning before I left and made sure mm-hmm. they had their, you know, AM meds. And then when I get back, I'll have another set of couple different animals that will be taken care of this afternoon. How many people approximately does it take to, to be a, you know, man the helm over there at the... So just to preface, we get, like last year, we had over 5,000 wild animals that came into us for help. Okay. We have about 200 permanent animals, like Risa just mentioned, which are educational ambassadors. And these guys are permanently impaired, and they wouldn't survive in the wild again. And so because of that, we have a 23-person staff, Mm -hmm. and that's everything from the keepers, administration, the educators, maintenance. We have a welcome center, uh, which doubles as our gift shop. So that's every aspect. And then depending on time of year, as Florida and Palm Beach County especially is very seasonal, we can have anywhere between 50 and 100 volunteers also. Okay. But during the COVID crisis, to keep everybody safe, we've really limited exposure. So at this point, mm-hmm. we don't have our volunteers coming in. Right. And that's been a huge impact mm-hmm. on our keepers and what they've had to take on. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also transitioned our educators um, to doing virtual programs, since we don't people at the sanctuary, but into also helping the animal care team, because the animals have to come first. Without them, mm-hmm. well, there's no need for right. us. And under the usual si- circumstance, I know uh, at one point my daughter, was, you know, she was younger then, uh, was able to go to a camp yeah. in which they also volunteer mm-hmm. and involve with, you know, various activities as well as maintenance of the Bush Wildlife Sanctuary. So it's very... Uh, uh, kid friendly or teen friendly <laughs> or education friendly in other ways where they get to be involved and, and see what it, the behind the scenes are and actually you know develop a certain aspect of character which is kindness and compassion for wildlife right yeah nature appreciation yeah. for nature appreciation for nature yeah the beauty of it all yeah now, Ms. Risa, I know, uh, do you get to do some of those VIP? Because we, we would go back and feed the, the bears. You have bears. And we'll get to, I want to talk about some of the amazing animals you guys, you guys have. But tell us about, the, you know, those sort of VIP experiences. That um, actually, yesterday, I'm going to just throw in a little side note for mm-hmm. Bush here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the panthers, which um, bears, panthers, the same section. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's online, so if you'd like, we're doing a few paintings. Micaiah, our Florida panther, did a painting yesterday. Wow. And we have it for sale. If you're needing something for Mother's Day, you can go online and grab one. Okay. And then also, too, we had um, Brett, our beautiful gray fox. 
he actually did a couple paintings. So if you need a little last minute Mother's yeah. Day present, we have a couple um, paintings up. And if, if you really need something, we can always get them done. So <laughs> so what are panther paintings uh, look like? How are they done? And fox paintings, how are those? Well, actually, um, in their night houses, mm -hmm. we take canvases mm -hmm. and we put them on the floor. And then, because it's Mother's Day, so we're using some pinks, some reds, and, mm -hmm. you know, other pretty pastel colors and we actually put them around the um, canvases mm -hmm. and then like say for Micaiah our Florida Panther um, we take part of her diet and we start at one side above the canvases and have her walk through the paint mm. and then she puts her nice little paw prints all over the <laughs> and she gets treats the whole time Aww. and so um, yes so she made these wonderful yeah. paintings and Brett our gray fox was kind of the same way yeah um, so, you know, in his night house, I'm not sure what those colors were, but we have the canvas and then you put the paint around it and then you, you know, just have them like tiptoe through the paint and on yeah. the canvas. And all the paint that we use is um, animal friendly. Yeah. It's like, it's like a kid's, yeah. like water paint or something like and that. You yeah. Could, could drink it if you want or whatever. Yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't advise <laughs> it, but. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's not going to hurt the right, animals, right, but right. the paintings turn out fabulous. Okay, good. So, That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. Wonderful so. idea. So, and they could go on to Bush Wildlife. Uh, what's the website? It's bushwildlife.org. Okay. And we'll also be promoting it on our, our social media as well, and we'll have yeah. a link there for and it. And it's B-U-S-C-H. B-U-S-C-H. Yeah, that's yep. important, because if you look up B-U-S-H, it might still show up. I mean, <laughs> the oh, internet's yeah. kind of intelligent. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> um, so, so... Okay, we have the bears. They're not painting, but tell us about the two bears that I usually see. It's usually well, two, technically, right? yeah. yes, the the bears do paint. Theirs yeah. is it takes just a little bit longer, right. um, and sometimes, you know. Yeah, but where they come from, though, like what? Oh, are the two black bears? Yeah. is Kiona and Taya. Okay, and um, the mom, I guess, was actually going into um, like a housing development, mm -hmm. and then she had been like relocated and uh, apparently she must have found another housing location um part of the problem is is because florida keeps taking all of our natural areas away especially for our big apex guys mm -hmm. um that's like the panther right now the panthers i don't know if, which one's worse as far as being threatened but if we keep encroaching on their land no wonder they keep coming into our housing development right um but the mom kept on going in there and so um the sad story was is that the mom was teaching this to the cubs and then um i guess florida fish and wildlife ended up having to put the mom down and so she did have the cubs Aww. and so the cubs were not going to be able to stay out in the wild because the mother had already taken right. them and right. was showing them this is and that's not that wasn't the way that they were supposed to be right. so that's how we ended up with the two black bears that we have mm. So. Yeah, kind of a sad story, but still helpful that you were there to pick up the pieces. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely a sad story, yeah. you know, and, and it's one that can be preventable. Yeah. You know, um, in this certain situation, as Risa explained, the mom had done this multiple times. Yeah. And there are things that that we can do just as citizens to try to to cut those occurrences down, you know, keeping mm -hmm. your garbage cans in your garage, making sure things are secured, obviously not feeding wildlife. Mm -hmm. um, but once a wild animal, they're, they're intelligent. Mm -hmm. And once they figure out, hey, there's free food where I see those big buildings there, 
they are going to continue going back right, there. Right. And Florida does have the three strikes you're out policy. They'll relocate them a couple times. Third time, unfortunately, they deem the animal too much of a safety threat to right. human life. Right. And that's how we end up with those. So they've been a wonderful educational tool for the sanctuary. It's great to do the VIP interactions. Right. As Risa said, we have we have one who will do the paw print paint. The other doesn't like the feel of it, yeah. so she gets off the hook. <laughs> Um, but it, they've actually been a wonderful addition. Now you don't get you get with some of the VIP stuff. I know you get to feed the bears the um, frozen grapes, which mm -hmm. is awesome. Kids yes. love that because you just kind of you have the fence and you just use a finger and you you know they put their lips through the little <laughs> fence <laughs> hole and you know there's no like teeth or anything. No, obviously you're not gonna. You know, stick your finger right in their mouth, but um, you know it's it's really cool, and you get to take pictures and stuff like that. But um, the panthers, you don't get to feed, obviously, because that's not no. advisable <laughs> <laughs> for many Larger reasons. Larger carnivorous yeah. animals, yeah. you're good without yeah. that. We actually, when yeah. we do the enrichment training, we'll yeah. use tongs with them because yeah. we like do, our fingers as well. You do get to go in with the deers, mm -hmm. right? Um, and uh, and then you get in, in there. There's wild turkey as well, and all sorts of because they they live. They have a symbiotic relationship, mm -hmm. I guess. So they live well together. The deers and the turkeys. Mm -hmm. They yeah. do. Yeah. Um, the idea, actually, I'll tell you a little quick funny story, if it's uh. all right. Is you know sometimes you'll go to the different um, you know zoos and nature centers and such, and they'll have mm -hmm. the peacocks right. that wander with the guests. So we hatched out a nest of, of native turkey eggs, and. The original thought process by our founding director was that the turkeys would just roam the sanctuary kind of mm -hmm. like peacocks would at a zoo. It's a great concept, but turkeys' natural instinct is to fight anything that's as tall as them. Mm. So all of a sudden you bring in a preschool group and it's like <laughs> the sharks and the jets meeting in the back alley. Wow. It was insanity. And so I was like, okay, that's not going to work. No, <laughs> so we quickly had to gather up the turkeys. Yeah. We call it turkey roundup. Yeah. <laughs> and turkeys, you know, went in to live with the deer because yeah. out in the wild they would exist in the same environment. And yeah. ever since then it's like, okay, that's where you guys are going to Every so often one will fly out of the coop and we'll have to round it up again get it yeah. back in. <laughs> um, with... The various animals, and then maybe more of a question for you, Ms. Risa, and maybe not so much now as maybe in the beginnings of your journey with Bush Wildlife or working with animals, was there any, any animals that you just were like, I just don't want to interact with them, I just, just please, any, any animal but that one, <laughs> and why? Actually, no. Okay. Um, the, it's, it was probably a bad thing because... Um, <laughs> I have hands. Um, actually, I, since I was born and raised here, yeah, I have. Uh, well, my grandparents were on a farm, and then I was. Gr I grew up in a swamp. So, actually, I was. I've been in nature. So there's that common respect that I guess that my parents in you know ingrained in me as you're growing up. Like, yes, there is an alligator right there. Right. I mean, you don't throw rocks and sticks at it. You're right. just gonna walk by it and know that that's a beautiful creature. Um, I was gonna say, yeah, we do have some, I will say spicy animals that get a little cantankerous every so often. Yeah. But actually, no, they're all very, very, I mean, whether it be furry or feathered, mm -hmm. I mean, they're just, they're all wonderful. You know, they, yeah. they serve a purpose. I mean, yeah. There's there's not a bad animal. I love it. And, you know, <laughs> I think the earlier you expose children, and that's for your parents out there, and that's yeah. to my experience, is the earlier you expose your children to various animals, 
the the least likely they are to have those fears or those apprehensions of being around them. Now, obviously, with education comes a healthy sense of fear or concern or awareness. Mm -hmm. You know, wisdom has to be applied because you don't want kids to be so friendly with animals that they walk up to every dog and every (laughs) bird or every, (laughs) you know, uh, wild animal they see and think that it's going to be okay because it's not. So you do teach that balance and I know that you know whereas uh, it might have been one of my children would not have wanted to interact with reptiles now as they've gotten older are fairly comfortable with it not only the knowledge of the different Florida reptiles but can tell you know if we're going on a walk and we see a snake they'll say oh no that's a you know that's a blah 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 or whatever that's a red blah blah <laughs> like all these <laughs> like all these terms that I don't even know but they because of their interaction at bush wildlife and handling animals at such a young age they went on to continue to educate themselves and um, are very knowledgeable now and 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 compared to other kids because their friends will be over and if we're outside going for a walk which we've done a lot of I think a lot of people during the this time of the COVID-19 has spent more time in nature going for walks bike rides and such even we've uh, my my wife has had the kids painting stones so we can do those different you know artwork stones and hide them on trails and things that people take them and be inspired and we put like different quotes on the back so point is is interacting with nature becomes fun because then now they're seeing you know with uh, the different animals and different box turtles and stuff on the trails Mm -hmm. and uh, they can pick it out and they say these things and it's really you've inspired us and so many other families and I really want to urge you know before we get into talking about some of the animals you brought you know again our listeners need to know that during these times of people either inside watching TV mm-hmm. or <laughs> which they <laughs> really shouldn't be because it <laughs> does nothing for you. You're not really, you have not been contributing <laughs> by watching <laughs> the news, no matter how much you think you are. Uh, but, but the families are out there and still interact with nature and realizing that there's still things that need to be done. Um, and, there, you know, I know there's been coyotes been seen in areas that they're usually not there. And you guys are there still picking up the pieces. Know out there that you need to still support the Bush Wildlife Sanctuary. And, and depending on where you are in this world or in this country, you need to realize that there are people out there that help keep the balance of nature and humanity. And uh, even if you don't. So I just want to remind that this show needs to have that continuous focus. Now, let's talk about we have Barn Owl. But we'll start with the alligator first. <laughs> okay. And, and we're going to get some of this on Facebook. If you follow Doc Ken or, or Maximum Health Radio, um, you might be able to go back and see this. So we're going to pull out the alligator, and we'll talk about this alligator. It's not very big. It's very cute, actually. I wouldn't go. That's Noodle. Here is Noodle. So Noodle, tell us about Noodle. Um, actually, Noodle has actually been at Bush Wildlife since he was a little itty bitty Noodle. Yeah. That's how he actually ended up getting <laughs> his name. <laughs> and well, you know, because since we do have the hospital, yeah, I was gonna say. Um, so when they do first come in, um, like I said, he's actually grown quite a bit. Yeah, we actually have big. one more now. His name so is well behaved. Well, actually, the thing is, is he is one of our education ambassadors. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, was found by someone. Um, now, the biggest thing about the alligator is, like, just because you see an alligator, yeah. a little alligator, you do not want to touch the alligator. Okay. They're federally, you know, it's still a federal thing. So, like, if you go to pick up an alligator, bring it to Bush, Yeah. you're going to have to deal with um, 
Florida Fish and Wildlife because of the, you know, that's the... That's the law. It's the protection so, there. Yeah. So what do you do? You just call and say, yeah, say such if and it, such? It, okay. Like, yeah, if they're, if they're hurt or if you see something, yeah. stay there, call yeah. someone, they'll come and help you actually with the alligator. Yeah. Um, but Noodle looks so dignified. It's just like there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he looking is. chin he's, up. He knows. He's <laughs> like, like, this is radio, folks. Right? <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Really, really gorgeous. And so how big will Noodle get? How big is Noodle now and how big will Noodle get? Noodle's He's go, going on three feet now. Um, alligators grow about a foot a year. Yeah. So if you see one that's three feet long, it's about three years old. Okay. Five feet long, five right. years old, yeah. roughly. Yeah. Um, once they hit 10 years, their growth really, really slows down. Though, it's okay. about an inch a year. How long do they live? They can live up to 100. Without that's of course without human encroachment. Yeah, right. You know, generally you're going to see them in their mid 30s, mid 40s. Right. You know, would probably be one of the larger ones that you would see now. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so they go out a foot a year, and um, he'll continue to grow his entire life. Did you ever know that, like, if you see a gator in a pond, yeah. and all you see is like the eyes and the nostrils up, yeah. the length between his nose and his eyes in inches is equal to his body and feet. Oh. So if you're ever wondering, like, oh, I can't really, yeah. you know what I mean? Just try to try to estimate what that inches is, right. and that'll tell you what you can't see under the water. All right, million dollar question, which I I have to ask because I know there's going to be audience listening. And they're going to, who knows if they're listening with their grandkids or children or whatever. Oh gosh. Um, okay, ready? <laughs> yeah. How do you differentiate between an alligator and a crocodile? Oh, that's easy. Oh, yeah. All right. Easy. Got yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> so the easiest way... Everybody out there, don't scream all at once. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the alligators, they have more of a rounded snout. Yeah. Crocodiles have more of a pointed snout. Yeah. When alligators close their mouth, their top teeth hang out. So if you look at Noodle there, it looks kind of like he's always smiling at yeah, you. Yeah, he does. When a crocodile closes their mouth, their top and bottom teeth hang out. Okay. So they generally look more like they're growling. Uh, coloration is different because they have to camouflage in different environments and where you find them is different okay. alligators freshwater all the way up to the carolinas as far west as texas right. crocodiles very small population down by the florida keys and they hang out in brackish water mm, i love yeah. it <laughs> got that okay one. let's uh, so now we've got um we've got our barn owl okay and vio all right let's see vio or leave out whatever you want ma'am who's gonna wear the glove is that miss amy's job yeah Vio and I have been together, working together for a while. So how long have you been working with Vio? Uh, over a decade. A decade, huh? Yeah. All right, so you're scooping Vio out of his... Oh, wow. <laughs> how gorgeous. Thank you. That's like majesty seeing a barn owl so gorgeous up close. I'm just going to angle his tail end so he doesn't get on your beautiful suit if he decides to. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they decide to kind of mark he their territory a little bit, you know, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to angle him this way. <laughs> that's all right. Wow, Vio, you're gorgeous. So beautiful. So, okay, how did Vio, what's what's Vio's story? Uh, so barn owls are interesting because they are a cavity dweller. Yeah. Um, like a few other owls, they would prefer, um, you know, like screech owls and things. They'll nest inside of like an old dead tree. Yeah. Barn owls, you'll actually put up a box to attract them to your yard. Right. So a lot of rural areas that have a lot of rat populations, the sugarcane fields, okay, yeah, farmers, things sense. like that, they'll yeah. put the owl boxes up yeah. to actually lure the owls in because it's so, natural pesticide yeah, for them, yeah. you know? Yeah. And somebody found one of the babies had left the box. They decided what a great pet. That is, again, a federal offense. You yeah. are not allowed to have an owl as a pet. But by the time Viho uh, was confiscated and brought to us, 
he doesn't really act like your average owl. He mm. didn't finish growing up with his parents. He's not a great hunter. Um, so he was deemed non-releasable. And um, ever since then, he's been working as an ambassador for the sanctuary. And he's done all sorts of stuff. And um, thousands upon thousands of people have had mm. the opportunity to so meet him. So gorgeous. So um, nothing against you, a Noodle, over there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so we know what Vio eats, and did we talk about what what uh, Noodle eats? What do you feed Noodle? Fish, 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 okay. bugs. Okay. At this age, you yeah. know, as they get bigger, they'll eat turtles. Yeah. They'll eat birds. Yeah. And what is Bush Wildlife's general like food cost? I mean, that's got to be up there. <laughs> <laughs> Every month or... or oh, well, I mean, our, our annual operating budget is right around $1.5 million. Okay, that's huge. Um, oh, food cost is... a is lot of money to keep us in our area balanced. It's, it is. It is. And yeah. we are 100% donation-based. We're right. not a government facility, so right. it's all through fundraising, right. grant writing, donations. Right. Um, honestly, we put out on social media with COVID going on... Yeah. Um, about you know people going and picking up those produce boxes a yeah. lot of the local farms were selling produce boxes right. and people were going and buying them and donating them mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they were bringing us coconuts for the animals to play with and thing and it was really just a wonderful outpouring of community right. support yeah I, I was introduced to bush while i first time through the nicholas family i take care ah. of some of family members and uh that's that's who i first you know and um, and Amy Nicholas would have some of the animals. And she was a foster space, mom a for foster us. Mom yeah. And, um, so and that's things you can do. I mean, yes. if you have the space, you have the time, you have the wherewithal, uh, the ability, the love, the passion, the compassion, mm -hmm. you can be can offer that service as well as a donation, right? Oh, yes. We have yeah. volunteers that help out with rescuing. We have yeah. volunteers that help out with fostering. Yeah. They come and do education programs. Yeah. They help build. We have volunteers that help with gardening. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll say, for instance, like my own mother, she loves animals and never hurt them, but she right. don't want to do this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know? know, so instead she'll help us with mailings to okay. try to get donations in or help out in the welcome center, yeah. you know, where you're still helping them, but you don't have to to clean right. poop you know <laughs> and, and and thank you for showing us this i mean this is is really wonderful and, and the majesty of these animals is tremendous and you know th there's so many more that that if you have the moment once things open up and you can visit bush wildlife sanctuary it's so important for you to do that but you know one of the, the background things that i as coming into this that almost brought me to some tears about doing the show was that you know people always say the only time human beings are going to come together um, is if we have like another life form to fight against, right? Um, why does it always have to be fighting against something? Why can't it be fighting for something that brings us together? And, and so nature, you know, in essence, is was our first mandate. We we're supposed to be brought here if there was sort of some reason for human beings to be stewards on this earth, to take care of animals, to be here, to take care of nature, and to fight for nature, to fight for its beauty that it gives to us, its life that it gives to us and helps us to survive. So maybe coming through this time of the pandemic and all this, we will start to shift our energies and our focus to not fighting against each other and, and letting that be the, the idea that brings us together, fighting against something bigger, but maybe fighting for something bigger. And I think nature and animals are, are a great reason to come together and to celebrate and to support. So this has been another Maximum Health Quality Living and uh, please uh, contact Bush Wildlife Sanctuary. Let them know what you can do for them and uh, go visit as soon as it opens back up. Stay in touch with them through social media, their website. And uh, Miss Amy, Miss Risa, thank you for joining us. And if you've missed any part of the show, it's on Apple uh, Podcasts as well as Android, Public Radio Exchange, and we, we air every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard on 88.9 FM, WQCS, NPR of the Treasure Coast.
Love.